Ah, 2022, a year that ended a month ago. (laughs) (laughs) It was, yes. There's still probably upwards of two dozen to three dozen films I wish I had seen. That's about how it goes, though. That's Yeah, at least. Uh, Arthur, you're the big winner, right? Of new releases, you got like, what, 100 plus? 2021, I think, is where I landed. Wow. I think I hit like 56, 57. I'm in the low 50s somewhere as well. So Dustin and I are Hey, it's better than your initial 20 you were going to watch. I know, right? (laughs) I mean, definitely a a big improvement. Although I can can still kind of look at log lines and sort of critical consensus, and I can kind of pick pretty quickly what I'm going to like and what I'm not. But I'm glad I did what I did because I did discover some things that... Otherwise, I might not have discovered. Yeah, I tried to target my viewing similarly. I was mm-hmm. like, all right, the discourse is big around these ones. I got to get to these. Yeah. I, it's, yeah, and I surprised myself. I had some last minute changes to the 10. Uh, mm. But there's definitely, you know, Neptune Frost is a big one I didn't get to that I really wanted to get to. Uh, Closer, I was kind of curious about. Um, Closer's good. Yeah, All Quiet on the Western Front, kind of curious about. Yeah, I'm just curious about that movie, too. Getting I wanted to see that. Argentina, now. 1985? Yeah. Is it 85 or 83? 85, no, something like that. 85, I think. Okay. I wanted to see. I wanted to see 13 Lives. I know it didn't get a huge response, but I really like that cast. It's and, a cast. Yeah. Another one in Colin Farrell's uh, bedpost for the year. Yeah. God, what a year. Yeah. Great year. Yeah, he's had a good year. Oh, such a good year. MVP. Yeah, mm-hmm. of 2022. Yeah, I mean, we we were going to pick our favorite actors of the year tonight, but I think we can all say like Colin Farrell had he won the year. Yeah, he had yeah. a great year. Yeah, across the genre. Yeah, cross style. Yeah, just disappeared. Four different performances. Yeah, <sighs> it was great. Yeah, he crushed it. Love him. For and sure. He's so fun. Like the Colin Farrell 2022. Just Is like he... seeing him in interviews, seeing him do stuff. He's just his energy. Like he appreciates everything. He's like channeling the spirit of Andrew Garfield. He's in awe of everything. Like he's just seems to be the most uh, earnest and sincere person. Yeah, he's already been the biggest actor on the planet once, and like you know, kind of flamed out with with the drink. Yeah, and I I watched the you know THR does those roundtables with the different best actor runners front runners, and so there's one with him, Sandler, Kwan. Uh, Jeremy Pope, Fraser, and uh, uh, Austin Butler. Oh, okay. And it's them, you know, talking about the year and mm-hmm. their favorite performance, how they, you know, did and everything. And just, yeah, the way he talks about, you know, he he was 22 and was handed the world. And then he made uh, was Alexander, mm-hmm. right, with Oliver Stone, and mm. it just flopped. And he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, and I had to just kind of re-assimilate, think back to theater school. What did that kid want? And, and just kind of re, oh, that's calibrate. Nice. Yeah, well, good. I mean, for and him. he's just, you know, I don't know if you saw the clips of him at at the Golden Globes mm. with Ana de Armas. You know, mm. she gives him the award. She she's the one that's announcing the award for supporting actor. And then he comes out and he like takes the award. And she's walking out. He's like, Ana, I just wanted to say that uh, you know you as Marilyn Monroe have been blowing. You know, there's that scene <laughs> when your ankle is on the over the on the edge of the bed there, and I just broke down it just absolutely destroyed me and uh he's just those little things yeah. like he just appreciates i think everything in a way yeah some actors it's a childlike might not delight yeah, yeah. And i looks, just love watching him do stuff now looks yeah. like he smells incredible yeah yeah <laughs> imagine giving colin farrell a hug <laughs> my life would be What's he complete smell like? I, I feel like it's tobacco mm. and something. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, to- An Irish spree. Yeah, it's it's a very yeah. It's there's notes of tobacco and whiskey for sure, but it's also kind of musky, but in a floral way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> musky. Nice. Musky in a floral way. Like your grandpa or 
Like uh, you know what I mean? Like it's like a grandfatherly type. Mm, more of a zaddy smell is what I'm picturing. To be perfectly <laughs> honest. Smell. Well, welcome to the best of 2022 from the Good Trash Genre Cast in January 2023. We always we did wait. It. We did we it. Did. We haven't done this. In well, what? traditionally we we waited because uh, we didn't have access to movies until mid to late January. The the big right. the big contenders. Right. Um, and then 2020 killed movies. For a couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, so we just kind of didn't see enough to really warrant yeah. the discussion. I think relaxed and, off of this, yeah. And twenty twenty two is really the first year. I don't want to say a return to form, but twenty twenty one. I think movies were coming out, but twenty twenty two really felt like a pre COVID year like in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, Mister Hollywood. A said, lot of people went to movies because between uh, the the blue people and and the propaganda commercial um the, <laughs> the gross around three billion dollars uh not to mention the other probably 1.5 from various sundry jurassic worlds and marvel properties yeah mm-hmm. yeah mr movies said the theaters are open again and people came out for seven months they <sighs> came out god they couldn't stop coming out <laughs> they couldn't stop going to I'm see it coming out all right well let's go ahead and get cracking with uh some of our discussion of the year and one of the things that arthur and i noticed quite a bit of in 2022 was the incredible proliferation of chapter titles interesting in film i didn't pick up on this there's a lot of movies that do this i didn't think about it much either until he brought it up we were watching something i don't even remember what it was and he just mentioned the Kind of an excessive use of title breaks in movies this year. Notepad title breaks. Uh, right. The Menu. The Northman. Um, everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, I just watched one. Um, Triangle of Sadness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, right there. We got five. Four. Yeah, yeah, four or five. And, 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 and there I, were at and least I, and I've got a, a bunch dozen more, more right. in, in my head that, that do this as well, but... Oh, uh, golly. Uh, I should bring up my letterbox. I, well, so I, I was going to pull up a list too. of things there for it. Um, Triangle Sadness we already mentioned. Yep. Uh, Northman we already mentioned. Uh, you mean, RRR has got this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The uh, <laughs> a number of movies. I I'm, I'm again my brain is sort of falling apart right now. But um, Banshees has got a little bit of this. Um, uh, Did Banshees have? No, oh, no, it doesn't no, have no, not, not Banshees. No, I, I'm incorrect here. Oh, uh, Bones and All's got it. Yeah, forgot about that. But uh, just uh, there's uh, Brian and Charles seems like it had a little bit of that as well. I think uh, uh, to some extent Elvis has this, you know, more of a delineation of time, usually mm-hmm. with dates, but mm-hmm. or like the Hollywood years or something like that. Uh, but, does it do that? Does it yeah. do like the Vegas years, the Hollywood years? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, I feel like there's some kind of denotation of, of changes. In but there's there just there's a lot a lot of chaptery kind of filmmaking going on, which was a bit of thing that's been going on for a while now. But sure. it, it just seemed like more and more and more and more that these films were using these kinds of breaks uh, just to, for, as a storytelling motif. And again, I don't know if there's anything an analytical piece to say about that other than they're doing it a lot lately, which is a little exhausting. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with there being breaks, but. I don't see why. I, I like the random break. I like the break that means nothing, like in The Shining, where it just says Tuesday. Oh yeah, and you, and you don't where know. Psycho how, has this right. So, it yeah, opens yeah, on Christmas Day, and it's date. like does not matter whatsoever. Yeah, and so I like that modernist kind of break there. But these are fun as well, and uh, yeah, I just found it really kind of strange that they the obsession uh, with those breaks as well. Are there any other? Um, 
things that we noticed this year in film. I'll tell you what, this was the year of hating on rich people. I mean, yeah. it's it's always a good year to hate on the wealthy, but we got Triangle of Sadness, The Menu. Um, oh my God, I have other ones written down. I mean, Glass Onion. Glass, mm-hmm. Glass Onion, thank you. Tar, to some extent, is definitely doing a little bit of R- that. R is doing a little bit of that yeah. as well. But I, I think Glass Onion, The Menu, and Triangle of Sadness are like the big three. Mm-hmm. But it, it definitely felt like... I mean, bodies, Bodies, Bodies is yeah, a little yeah, bit of this oh, as well. Exactly. Yeah. There's so even even outside the the ones that were like doing it very loudly, it was going on sort of in the subtext of a couple of films. Is that like a parasite hangover because of that film winning Best Picture as a sort of class kind of commentary? I think maybe partially that. I think maybe it's a little more effort present now. I, I, I don't feel like it's some of it feels Elon Musk related, but I mean that's so. I mean they're so parallel right now mm, this year right. that I don't feel like that's informing. Like the that other. was not informing the making Correct. because that, was, that happened as the yeah. other was occurring, so, right? But all of these are pandemic productions, and that has definitely informed how we've all looked at wealth inequality over the last three years. Mm-hmm. So I think that probably has had more than a little bit to do with sort of the one, the the one, two, three punch of menu, glass onion, triangle, like. Those are all films that feel very much in conversation with, especially Glass Onion, right? Uh, which overtly references the pandemic. But you know, all three of them feel like they're having that conversation. A little well, bit. and on a similar note, not only the rich, you know, another thing you pointed out was the art and the artist, mm. right? That was another huge mm-hmm. motif this year. It felt like Failman's Tar, The Menu. Uh, just a series of movies that came out this year. Marcel the Sell with Shoes on, right? Well, Pinocchio, uh, Pinocchio yeah, right. And so that also kind of felt like a huge nope as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of commentary thought going on in Hollywood. I think especially in a year where that conversation post pandemic, where the future of the theater was uncertain, going to streaming was uncertain. I mean, Top Gun Maverick, I think we can even throw into that conversation some as well. Uh, I think it was just another really interesting theme throughout uh, 2022. Yeah, for sure. Um, the MCU's maybe finally dying. Maybe that was kind of a trend this year. People were not really vibing with Phase Four. It's the whole, the Phase Four is not really got the upward mobility. I mean, and I think obviously with the original, you know, Phase One through Three, right the the Infinity Saga retro named that felt. I mean, where is this going? Right, I mean, that's a complete, huge mystery. Yeah. I mean, that but it also was a huge mystery to drive it forward. Like, can they pull this off? Can we keep this going for twenty eight movies? And and they do, and it culminates well in mm-hmm. Endgame. But now, can you go bigger? And do people care? Especially with some of the central characters from that franchise have quit, been killed off, may come back. You know, yeah, it's it's interesting, especially at the level as you said. Like Endgame is such a now we're done. Uh, how do you get more buy-in after this? You know, with game, like, the lead-up to that, like, that gives you buy- more buy-in for, like, people to get on the train, but, like, nobody's, like, gonna enter on Spider-Man Far From Home or No Way Home, whichever two yeah. is... The first one that's part of Phase 4. No, Nobody's gonna, like, start after Avengers Endgame, you know? Yeah. So you're only trying to, like, stop from hemorrhaging viewers at this point. Yeah. It's turning into a TV show late, late, you know, a TV show in its ninth season. Like, right. how do you keep people going? Because we've already got this TV show renewed for another five years. Mm-hmm. How do we keep audiences coming? You don't do it with Morbius. And now, <laughs> not only do you have the movies to watch... 
You've also got to keep up with all of the TV shows. Yep, right. And it's so much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just... Well, superhero fatigue, we've been talking about it for five years now or longer. Yeah. And it, it really has finally kind of trickled down to but everybody. Boys, I'm still going to be in theaters to see Quantumania. Yeah. And yeah. that's really where it ends. I'll tell you what's really interesting about and Quantumania. Oh, God. God bless Jonathan Majors. He's so good. He, he's doing the Lord's work. Yeah. He's he's the only thing making me think about seeing that movie, and I, I probably still won't get to it. It was so funny to see Avatar in 3D twice now, and the juxtaposition of like how the 3D looks in Avatar versus how it looks in the trailer for Ant-Man 3 just looks like absolute dog shit. It looks so bad. I can't it, even the, imagine. The post-processing 3D just like looks terrible. Yeah. It, wow. It's, it's really miserable on your eyes. Um, it's, it's just interesting. It's You forget that almost every MCU movie is converted into 3D and they, they get a 3D release because it's not just not something It's not part of my viewing experience. Yeah. I forget that for a lot of theater goers, like that's how they experience these movies. Yeah. Totally. Or even some of the Disney animated stuff, I think they still do that with. It yeah. Too. That's true. Which is weird because until... I, I mean, I know it's a thing. Like, I'll see screenings, you know, it's like in 3D. I'm like, who's going to see this People in 3D? People are still seeing stuff in 3D. I it's guess. weird. Other than the Avatar movies. I think the other big trend I noticed this year, uh, just kind of in, in, just in conversation talking that we've hit on a few times with things we've watched for this show or just in general, is the return of the 90s movie. With uh, We talked about this with The Woman King. We talked about mm. this with Don't Worry Darling. These sorts of Beast. movies. Yeah. Yeah, Beast. These sorts of. What's that? Uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead. The Angelina Jolie movie. Oh, yeah. 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 And uh, even, you know, obviously this is a 2023 movie, but Plane, um, the Gerard Butler and um, Michael Coulter yeah. film. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it feels like we're kind of looking back at some of those low to mid budget action movies and, and genre movies that we really haven't had a chance at recently, uh, which I think is is really cool, you know? Uh, Kimmy, I think, is kind of in this mm, vein sure. as well. Um, horror is just kind of its own thing. I mean, it was a huge year for original horror. Yeah, it again, was. Barbarian, Smile, Pearl, X, uh, just cleaning up. Nope, if you nope. you know, if you say it's horror, yeah, and I think I I do. Black Phone, yeah, Prey. Black Phone, sure, I forgot about Black Phone. Prey, not original, but definitely still in the horror. Yeah, you know, it's a horror franchise, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's still a horror film. It's at some level. Yeah, yeah, big year. Big open, and you know, horror is the the genre that continues to to continue against all other trends. You know, the horror heads come out to see a new scary movie. I think it's the easiest sell. People, by and large, I think just like horror movies. Yeah, I think it's the most four quadrant genre. Mm-hmm. It is kind of weird how way. it's it's just like I don't know. There's other than the diehard people, right? Because there there is like a genre of movie fan that is like horror is their number one genre. Right. Even outside of that, you have like the teen contingent who loves yeah. to just go out with friends and get scared. Yeah. It's it's just such a reliable hitter. Yeah. I've, well, I'm teaching in. a screenwriting class now and I've got a couple students in there who they're, you know, they say they watch maybe a movie a month mm-hmm. and they went to the theaters recently to see Megan, right? Mm. I mean, it gets people out. Yeah. Which is, is cool. Uh, I think, you know, the, rom- the romantic comedy is dead. Um, the, the mid-budget action movie is kind of on life support, maybe rebounding, but but horror is just... I mean, Terrifier 2. Uh, One of the success m- stories of the year. Yeah, mm-hmm. made tons of money. Or not, relatively yeah. speaking. Yeah. Which is cool. But anyway, yeah, anything so, else? I don't know. Those those I think that kind of hits all my, my high notes. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've, an interesting year for the movies. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's do then our quick fire 10 through 6. 
that's our first bit of agenda. So I go to you first, Dalton. Let's say you in ten nine eight seven six. My ten nine eight seven six are Sarah Polly's "Women Talking" at number ten. At number nine, we have Charlotte Wells' incredible uh, debut "After Sun." At number six, I'm sorry, number eight, we have Zach Kreger's "Barbarian." Yeah, we love Barbarian. Woo woo woo. At number seven, we have Martin McDonough's "The Banshees of Inisherin." And at number six, we have SS Raj Mooley's R, R, R. Very good, very good. What is your 10 through 6 there, Arthur? At number 10, I have got SS Raj Mooley's R, R, R. Let's go. At number nine, I have Marcel the Shell with shoes on. That's Love a it. cute movie. Uh, at number eight, I've got Fire of Love. Mm. I like Fire of Love. At number seven, I've got Triangle of Sadness. And at number okay. six, I have everything everywhere all at once. Very good, very good. Uh, my 10 through six. At number 10, I've got uh, Bones and All. Okay. Because it's very fun to me. Uh, then I've got for number nine, Crimes of the Future. Uh, number eight, I have Three Minutes of Lengthening, the Holocaust uh, film about film and Holocaust. And then I've got uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once at number seven. And finally coming in at number six, I have After Yang with Koganada. So those are our uh, respective lists there. Uh, let's move on to our first sort of superlative concept or superlative category, which is a concept. Best story concept. What was the best story concept of the year to you, Dalton? I loved Riley Stern's Duel. Uh, if you listen to our top 100s, you know that uh, Riley Stern's The Art of Self-Defense is is in the top 100 mm. for me. I, I think he's a really talented filmmaker. Uh, and I was a fan of Duel. It didn't make the top 25. You know, it wasn't the upper echelon of movies I saw in 2022. But it's it's a great, got a great premise. And yeah, I'll just read you the letterboxed summary so to, to get you on board with this. A terminally ill woman opts for a cloning procedure to ease her loss on her friends and family. When she makes a miraculous recovery... Her attempts to have her clone decommissioned fail and lead to a court or a court mandated duel to the death. That's <laughs> that's right. Karen Gillian has herself cloned because she has a terminal illness and then has to prove she wants her life more than the clone and fight in she single has, combat. Yeah, she has to train for a year to become uh, adept at single <laughs> that combat. That didn't make your doppelganger list. I didn't even think about it. Oh, my God. Yeah, we just did Doppelgangers uh, to talk about uh, the one. I didn't even think to cover Duel. Yeah, maybe a little bit of future shadowing there. Yeah, Yeah. but uh, yeah, I thought it was just a fun story concept. Again, I like Riley Stern's sort of deadpan, dark humor that he's done in both this and the art of self-defense. And this film just like has got really funny rhythms and always kept me surprised I, I was i was always on the edge of my seat as far as like where are we going with this where is it going to end up and uh, again just a fun premise i love a high concept and yeah. it really i was sold that's what i really wanted to get around to i really like karen gillen yeah uh and i just did not get the chance to but I, i'm gonna check it out i do like art of self-defense quite a bit yeah it's a fun one very cool very cool well, what is your um, best story concept there arthur uh you know thinking about it i i i, I like this movie quite a bit and i think it's the menu um mm, i yeah. have never identified with a character more uh, than Anya taylor joy who just has absolutely zero time for bougie food uh <laughs> and that's where i am in my life uh i i don't need it just give me the burger uh, <laughs> as kind of where i'm at and so i i think the fun kind of especially in in a period where there are so many cooking shows so much of us is on the celebrity chef 
and that sort of, you know, fusion food and upscale eateries and trying to do all that nonsense and just to kind of take the bite of that, take a bite at the rich in that context uh, and have some fun with it. I, I think it's, you know, teeth bared, dark satire. Uh, and I think it mostly works. I think it's a blast. I think uh, Nicholas Holt is great. You know, Anya and Rafe kind of get a lot of the the credit, but Nicholas Holt's doing, doing good work in there too. Uh, and it's just, I think, very smart, very clever. And, and to do this sort of horror thing, but make it a little more upscale in a way is just clever. And, I called and so, it tonal surfing when I reviewed it on Letterboxd. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like it's doing scares consistently, but it's also like doing the laugh so consistently. Yeah, I mean, Hong Chow is just knocking it out. So funny. Yeah. Uh, I Yeah, I think that's what I would go with is the menu. I, I just really like that setup. I think it's clever. I think the, the conceit of it's a lot of fun, and I think it just works. Very cool, very cool. Uh, for my favorite concept is a uh, British film that I watched with Arthur, and that is Brian and Charles. Uh, really, really love. It's sort of a Pinocchio slash Frankenstein movie, but we're debating. The, we're, we're, I don't know what it is, you know. And there's a whole discussion as to what makes it a Pinocchio movie versus what makes it a Frankenstein. But uh, this idea, of this guy who's just sort of this, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Joseph Cornell trash accumulate artist person who makes things who doesn't work and accidentally makes a real sentient robot yeah. and has to train the real sentient and it's a sweet movie and mm-hmm. he's a he's a sweet guy but he's also kind of bumbling and just trying to find himself and so it becomes a fathers and sons kind of movie and there's a little bit of an I don't know an action taken segment of the movie <laughs> there you is. might suggest but um I really love the the sort of Pinocchio take of the film in this really kind of low budget um artist who is again just sort of assembling this this garbage this sort of dime store um thrift shop kind of parts artist who accidentally makes a real robot who's a real person and uh it's, cool. it's very fun yeah. It's very fun. It's very very sweet, and I really really enjoy Brian and Charles a lot. Sounds great. So that's my that's my favorite concept for uh, twenty twenty two. Moving on to our best performance of twenty twenty two. I wonder if there'll be agreement around. I don't know that there will be. No, there won't. There won't. Okay. Well, what was the best performance then, Dalton? My best my favorite performance of twenty twenty two is the already mentioned Hong Chow as Elsa in the menu oh. as as uh, Ray finds uh, Chef Slovak's uh, front of house manager. I love this character. Uh, I don't know some some fun context. Uh, my sister was a front of house manager at a upscale uh, restaurant and bed and breakfast for some time. Uh, she's a lot of years in the restaurant industry, and I've you know I did my bit as well, but definitely not nearly as much as my sibling. Um, and so, just I don't know. This is a real, a very real character, and feels so true to life. And mm-hmm. just like she hits the tone of like. I'm here to help you, but don't you dare fucking cross me because this is my job <laughs> and you were here to have a good time and I'm not here to play games with you. Uh, it's just, yeah, she just like strikes that balance of like, oh, this person is being hospitable towards me and yet I'm terrified of them and I don't know why. Uh, yeah, it's it's really great energy out of her and I just, I like Hong Chow and everything she does. I know she's getting a lot of attention for the whale this year. Uh, blind spot for me, unfortunately. Still haven't caught up with that one. Uh, but I just think she's so fun in the menu and, Again, there's a, a year of amazing performances uh, that are going unmentioned in this category by me. Uh, but uh, I just had so much fun with her. She's she's constantly delivering something new in every scene. Uh, she just like enters and, and gives like a very fun 
half joke, uh, a, a, an elevation of the stakes. Like so much of the movie hangs on her character and she's like just doing so much with what could have been a thankless role. Mm. It's, it's really fun stuff. Uh, yeah, I love it. Hong Chow. She is incredible. And really, uh, that role in the whale is just, I, I, think it's the best performance in that movie mm. you know it's kind of been touted for a number of reasons uh, around fraser's kind of quote-unquote comeback um but i i think hers is the most natural performance in it the most real i mm. think in many ways and and the other side of the coin compared to the menu mm. you know which is really cool um and i i hadn't really known her before this year and i just really love seeing her in both of these roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she steals the menu, but yeah, uh, she just kills it in the whale as well. And yeah. I just look forward to seeing wherever I'm, she might pop up next. I yeah. kind of want to see downsizing. I was just, just so say, I can watch. She's the one her. thing people like about downsizing. Yeah. I knew her best from, uh, she's, uh, one of the main characters in HBO's, the Watchmen series that they did. Gotcha. The Lindelof yeah. Watchmen. Yeah. She's really good in that. And that was sort of my, my first main exposure to her. Um, a really interesting character in that one. But yeah, I've, I've heard downsizing is, is much elevated by her performance. So yeah, I'd like to catch up with it for that. Who did you like this year? Man, uh, it, it was tough. And I, I really uh, was was running the marathon uh, for one actress. But I saw I saw a movie at the finish line that kind of changed that direction. Mm-hmm. And it's it's Kate Blanchett. Yeah, it's, she's so good. Yeah, Linda Lydia Tar. She's is, in LeBron mode, dude. Yeah, it's it's a performance that's on another level. Because absolutely, I absolutely forget I'm watching Kate Blanchett. It's not a makeup thing. It's 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 just mannerisms, vocal performance, uh, this uh, rapturous monologue in the opening minutes about conducting and composing and the history of it uh, to absolutely unhinged singing and dancing uh, apartment <laughs> for sale it, it's all over the place in a way that is just so well navigated uh by blanchett and she can be ruthless and scary uh and also uh facing and and i, I just it's mag- magnet magnetic totally I, I, and just charisma and just on another level kate blanchett is yeah, we love lo- we love Abs- Lydia. We Absolutely. love Lydia. She's real. Hey, Linda. Yeah, yeah. Me, me, me. To my therapist to me. Lydia Tar's not real. Lydia Tar can't hurt you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, me. No, she's real. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so, Kate Blanchett definitely made second place in my list. So I, I am with you. This was the Kate Blanchett Memorial Award for me this year. Yeah, yeah. 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 But and first place for me was Michelle Yao. Yeah, uh, okay. for everything, yeah. everywhere, all at once. I she mean, was just, in the top three or four. Man, for me. Yeah. I just oh, gosh, that performance because it's not only that she's mm-hmm. making a dramatic turn; it's that she's making a dramatic turn alongside a action turn coming back to form, alongside a comedic turn. Yeah, and she's hitting all the marks yep. in all. She is in eight different movies in that movie. Yep, yep. And she is absolutely nailing every single one 100%. of those performances throughout. And I mean, she's just a treasure. She's been in the business for forty years i'm so glad she won that golden globe um i hope to see some oscar gold come her way it's coming it. it's coming down to michelle and kate yeah, yeah. between the two of them i yeah. think kate's probably gonna win of the two i just, just knowing what yeah. my, my judgment of the academy suggests that more than the other but a, a different year michelle gets it yeah you know if it's if it's not for tar i think she gets it yeah but tar is just it's a, it's a it's a juggernaut it absolutely yeah. is a powerhouse and it's the kind of movie the academy likes it's and, the kind of performance they like they yeah, love sure. a big like 
a performance that carries the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, but for me, I just I, I just love seeing this out of Michelle Yao. I mean, it's, it's incredible to me. Totally. Yep. So I'm a big fan of that. Let's move on to our next category, which is our favorite hidden gem. Hidden gem, underseen, I guess, is the suggestion here. Um, and so, what is your hidden gem of 2022, Daltonian? Well, our Oklahoma City had a great year as far as uh, you know art. Uh, our, our very good friend Griffin put out an album called God's Country, and there was also a movie called God's Country uh, that that was underseen. The album God's Country got you know is in top fives from Rolling Stone. Pretty cool shit that and that neat. But low low to the ground was an IFC Films release starring Tandy Way Newton. Another thing called God's Country, and it's this stark cold neo-western about a cop turned college professor living out in the boonies uh who is harassed by hunters who really want to use her land and she's Hmm. not having it what a movie what a performance really wish more people had gotten to this one uh it it is i I called it uh when i did a caleb's year in review episode i I called it the movie that westworld built uh because it is very much you know she her parlaying uh, you know, the last four seasons of Westworld into uh, a feature film, you know, starring role. And uh, I just think she's so good in it. Uh, again, I will, uh, here's, here's the log line from uh, Letterboxd. When a grieving college professor confronts two hunters, she catches trespassing on her property. She's drawn into an escalating battle of wills with catastrophic consequences. And it very much just is about that. It is about land and who has access to it and who has autonomy in this society and who is allowed to make boundaries for themselves and who is not allowed to make boundaries for themselves and what are the consequences of people's boundaries not being respected it's it's an incredible film it's a taut taut little thriller that is doing all kinds of stuff with the western genre i I think it's a great film and again i don't know shares a title with a a very cool album that uh, was Mm -hmm. big in 2022 it's just it's fun that a you know a movie and an, an album shared a title alone that on its face is just fun, but for them to be both be sort of meditations on the American experiment, pretty cool. Uh, there, there's like tonal over tonal and thematic overlap between these two projects. I think is really interesting. So this is that's my hidden gem of the year is God's Country. Very cool, very cool. Thank you for that, Dalton. What is your hidden gem, Arthur? Um, for me, my hidden gem this year is uh, a, a film I had sort of discounted. I had heard, uh, not negative, but kind of middling things about it, uh, mostly because it felt like an imitator uh, in its genre, I think, for a lot of people upon its release. And so I sat down one day to watch it and, you know, just kind of a background noise thing and and really just fell for it. And that's See How They Run. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I uh, just absolutely, uh, I I think it's, I I think it's better than Glass Onion. I, I, I think that... It's a super strong ensemble uh, led by Sam Rockwell and Sarah Ronan. Sarah is just uh, comedic chops uh, mm-hmm. uh, for days. Uh, she's so fun. And they play off one another really well. And then you get a nice uh, kind of ensemble of some British players. Adrian Brody shows up. Ruth Wilson shows up. Uh, and it's just a good time playing with the ideas of the whodunit and those tropes and those themes and doing so in a very playful, silly way uh, that I think still has a lot of love and respect for the genre, mm-hmm. uh, but just wants to kind of play with it. And I think kind of in a post Knives Out uh, kind of opening alongside Amsterdam 
with Glass Onion on the horizon, it really just kind of got swallowed uh, commercially in all of that. But the people I've recommended it to, people who have stumbled across it, really enjoy it. And so I, if you haven't seen See How They Run, it's on over at on HBO Max, and I, I highly recommend it. It's I great. think it's a blast. It's a blast, absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah, so that's, that's my hidden gem, See How They Run. See How They nice. Run is a, is a great pick for that. For my pick, it is a movie that is um, absolutely disposable. It is the kind of movie that is background noise. It is the thing that you would think it's only for the niche audience, and yet it still works. And that is uh, Facing Nolan, uh, the documentary oh, yeah. on Netflix about Nolan Ryan and his <laughs> okay. career. I, I, it almost made my top 25. Man, this movie is a story about just the the, the competitive... And it's a hagiography of Nolan Ryan. It absolutely is. But... Man, it is compelling because you want to see how he's doing and you want to think about the numbers that he puts up in terms of baseball. And you do not have to be a baseball fan to enjoy it. I had a non-baseball fan sitting in the room with me when I was watching it the second time and got sucked in and doesn't care okay. at all about it. It is, It's on Netflix. It's so much fun. There's almost this way in which it's edited, put together. It feels like a sports movie mm-hmm. commercially. And I've, this is another one I've talked to other people. I've recommended to people and they've really enjoyed I could go in the living room right now, put it on. I would watch it. Yeah. And I would watch it again tomorrow. Yeah. It's that entertaining. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's I, th- I think, a fascinating documentary in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, love it. It really just rises above its yeah. own kind of niche and whatever it yeah. is, you know. And, man, I, I mean, re- yeah, it's, I mean, it's very by the books in a lot of ways, but it's it's just so enthralling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a compelling sports story and told very, very well. Um, love me some face and knowing. So moving on now uh, to our next category. This is not the hidden gem. It's like the anti-hidden gem. This is our biggest disappointment of 2022. What, disapp- what let you down, Dalton? Who failed you? Who hurt you? A couple of movies hurt me. I'm sorry. You know? I got hurt. I opened my heart this year, and I got let down. <laughs> I got this heart full of love. I got this heart full of love, and I want to give, and Ryan Johnson just isn't helping no, me. Oh, man. <laughs> Damon and Chazelle's not helping me either, you know? I'm on the fence with both of these movies. I got to go Babylon. You know, I, I always knew that this is those are the two that I'm really torn between, but Glass Onion was always going to be a sequel, you know? It's 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 bad to put too much of an expectation on a sequel. It can only iterate upon the thing that came before it. And that's Glass Onion feels very much like an iteration. As much as I didn't like that movie, I have to just kind of accept like, well, of course I didn't like it that much. It's an iteration on on something that is hyper successful. Babylon, on the other hand, is, you know, an $80 million kind of auteur driven statement about the business of show. And I it's the kind of thing that I should be on board for. I'm not like a huge uh, Chazelle head anyway. I like uh whiplash okay not nearly as much as i i did when it first came out i was really over the moon for that movie uh 10 years ago or eight years ago however long it's been uh but i've really soured on it but i the first man is a movie that i've really come around on Mm. that was one that i know you and i were both kind of cold on when it came out but like that's that's a movie that just like has stuck with me in the intervening years but i think la la land's kind of a whatever film but i was really excited for babylon i was like okay here he is. He's got full reign to do whatever he wants, and he wants to make an epic about Hollywood. And I, I was ready for a five-star picture, and I just... What I got was a shaggy dog. And I, <laughs> I know a lot of people like this movie. Uh, this is making some people's top fives. Like, there there are Babylon lovers, and I, I wish I was one of them. That's why it's a big disappointment for me, because, like, I want the ending of this movie. The ending of this movie is a big, big swing, and I really want it to connect with me. 
It's it's a movie about how great it feels. Literally, the ending is heart is the heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Nicole Kidman monologue. It truly is. It is a mon. It is a big swing about how good it feels to have emotional catharsis in a movie theater, and it doesn't work for me. And I'm like mark number one for that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. I absolutely should be falling for it, and I just it doesn't work. And I real I really want it to, and that's why it's my biggest disappointment of 2022. I'm sorry, Dalton. You know, I just I just want to let the love in. So, Arthur, who hurt you this year? Oh, uh, we already talked about it, but it's the MCU. It just uh, in mm, general, they let uh, you down. Yeah, I, I just both Wakanda Forever uh, is, is kind of the exception to this rule for me. I, I, I'm kind of in the voices I know who have seen it actually think it's probably the better MC one of the better of the Phase Four movies. Yeah, sure. But I mean, just the kind of tonal whiplash of both Multiverse of Madness and uh, Thor, and really seeing uh, where Kevin Feige's taken over and where their director for hire has taken over. Mm-hmm. It, it's just so. I don't know. Disheartening, I guess. Just, I, you know, I, to your point, I mean, I don't necessarily know superhero fatigue because I still want to see him. I, I love these movies, but they just aren't firing. I, I don't know if it's a kind of a disconnect that's been happening since phase three when they started bringing in directors who have artistic vision and that has to clash against the previs and mm-hmm. what Feige's demanded. You know, the, the most interesting thing from phase four is outside of the Eternals has been the first two thirds of Shang-Chi, which doesn't feel like a Marvel movie till it's 100% a Marvel movie. And yeah. so that, again, that kind of continued battle, you know, th- at this point I'd rather them just let the directors make movies with these characters and not worry about an end game, mm-hmm. you know, no pun intended. Right. And, and so for me, it, it's gotta be, I think just the Marvel of it all. And yeah, just, too much of a good thing i think at a point what's weird is we're like the three of us are on an island as the eternals defenders i mean mm-hmm. that is like by a lot of people regarded to widely regarded to be the worst mcu movie and i think those people are wrong right well, uh, it's so funny because so clearly thor too <laughs> sorry Critic, <laughs> it's so funny because you know critics have will lambast the marvel films for looking the same having mm-hmm. the same plot and then when somebody does try to do something so against the grain shooting on location and different color palettes, different structures, big scope, big swings as far as like what happens within the, yeah. the beats of the story. And it gets panned because that's not a Marvel movie. Yeah. You know, it's a weird yeah. way in which that functions. Yeah, and darn if you do, darn if you don't kind of thing. People yeah. are frustrated that the, Oh, phase four doesn't have a direction. And obviously it has some direction. It's just not the direction as spelled out as it was prior. Mm-hmm. So it's a weird, you know, Tic Tac world for Marvel fans, I'm sure. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm going to go see Quantum Mania and I'll probably go see Guardians 3 and whatever else comes out this year. But it just feels like the, the, the rift between Star Director and, and Feige's vision is, is growing. Yeah. Hmm. But that's where I'm at. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, my biggest disappointment, Um, I went. I was thinking two different ways. There's a movie I saw this year that I really had high hopes for that just failed, and that's Claire Denise, Both Sides of the Blade. I really wanted that drama, uh, sort of psychosexual thriller to work, and it just doesn't. Um, Juliette Binoche is just there. and But really, I think, when I think about a big disappointment, is a movie that's almost there and then just doesn't land the plane for me. And that is Alex Garland's Men. It's mm. almost there. It's yeah. just almost just what I wanted, and yet it's 
I don't. I can't even quite put my finger on. I feel you. The the where it stumbles at the end zone, but it's it's almost just exactly the kind of thing I expect from that director. The kind of science fiction I like. I mean, uh, Kinnear's performance as all those characters is great, and that last se- segment I think works. It's like disturbing and frustrating and ugh. but I, I I just I don't know what is in the mix there that doesn't quite land. But the movie's almost there. It needs one more rewrite on the draft of the script, or it needs one more time travel visit through the editing bay. I'm not sure what it is, but it's almost a great movie that isn't. I found that women and other fem folk have uh, have this month this movie pinned down as far as like what doesn't work about it and i think you and i are probably a little warmer on it than Mm -hmm. some of the folks it really doesn't work for but i think some of the people who really doesn't work for do have like some some like really sound criticism Mm -hmm. because like i yeah i'm I'm right there with you i like that movie a bit yeah i don't love it by any stretch of the imagination and i i definitely is i know arthur liked it quite a bit yeah i I I really went for it in theaters I've, i've cooled pretty quick i mean it's mm-hmm. it's dropped in the bottom fifty, you know, mm-hmm. and so not not anything really gets. I just haven't really thought about it as much. I was really enraptured, probably because I think it does have a really strong closing, and it's just it's just creepy and real straightforward mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But I can also see a lot of the complaints with it. And, yeah. yeah, it's almost great. There's and not then, a hill I'm going to die on and, with men. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. for sure. For sure. It's what let me down this year. So moving on to um, a similar kind of thing. A movie that you just didn't get the hype. A lot of people loved it, and you're like, mm, nah. So what's that for you, Dalton? It's Ruben Oslin's Triangle of Sadness. Oh, uh, this was one of the last films I caught up with. Um, and again, Palm Door winner. I, I've been so excited to watch this movie. I thought this was going to be the one that hit. And, you know, maybe I just prefer the simpler, give me the cheeseburger, you know, as when it comes to takedowns of the wealthy, I want the menu. I, I, it's, it's simpler. It it knows what it's doing. This, this film is good. I, you know, it's like, I think I gave it three and a half stars. You know, it's not something I dislike. I just, I was ready. This is much like Babylon, a movie where I was like, all right, five stars, let's fucking go hit me with it. It's fine. You know, Woody Harrelson reading his personal manifesto as these rich people are vomiting all over themselves is like, <laughs> it's pretty good. That's what works. But okay. yeah, Donnie, Donnie De Leon trading, trading sex for uh, her uh, prowess at staying alive on an island. <laughs> Great. Love it. There is definitely shit in this movie that works. I think uh, part one, Carl and Yaya is incredible. Just absolutely great stuff. I saw it said somewhere else. Uh, I can't remember by who, but somebody said that Ruben Oslin is never better than when he's showing a couple pick at their scabs. And that that for me is kind of the truth of this movie. Like, it's good, but it just never gets better than where it starts, which is these two models who just like can't stop manipulating each other and just can't stop being terrible partners. It's uh, really compelling stuff like the, the ways in which they're both bad, just like is so true to life and gives you no wiggle room as like it just doesn't allow you to like either one of them mm-hmm. neither one of them is like coming out as a paragon of emotional maturity in any of these conversations so that's what works for me and it just never shifts into as high as a gear as it did for me for that first act um so yeah that's that's my biggest disappointment or the one that i didn't get the hype on is triangle of sadness that's fair that's fair what movie did you not get the hype on arthur it's sarah Pauli's women talking yeah i just don't get it. I I, I, I don't. I, I I it's got good stuff to it, um, but at the end of the day, it it just feels very wooden. 
in, in, a, in a sense overacted in a lot of ways. Like, not necessarily overacted, but I don't know. I don't know the best Moments way. Moments that veer into melodrama? Yeah, I think that's it. It's just this these big turns from a lot of great actresses. I mean, I, I, the cast is really good. Strong ensemble. Um, I don't really mind the bottle thing. You know, that, that doesn't really bother me, but it's just, I, I, again, you can go back and listen to me and Dalton talk about this movie. I, I don't know who it's for. Um, I think the people that probably need to see it won't because of the presentation of the material. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I just don't know who it's for. I, I think it's okay at best. I, I think, Good ensemble, some good performances, uh, a few good moments. But uh, I, somebody I saw a description of it as uh, Hitchcockian suspense the other day, and I, I don't see it. Mm. I, it that's not the movie. I, 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 I don't know where the suspense comes from, other than because it's I don't know. Anyway, that's not we'd a take. Have to get into the, I mean, it's in my top ten, and I don't know that I defend that take. Yeah, you know, it's but okay. I, I feel like people are watching. I, I didn't say the same movie that everybody else watched. It's, sure, is kind of where I feel about it. Um, yeah. And I wanted to like it. I was really intrigued in the premise. I think the setup is mm-hmm. really fascinating. Um, this, you know, community is highly religious Quaker uh, Mennonite, Mennonite community um, where the men have been taking advantage of the women and gaslighting them to think that it was demons or angels or whatever. Mm. Uh, and then the guys have to go to jail to get one of their own out of prison and the women make a plan yep uh I, I, there's some cool stuff there and it's a great setup i just the doesn't work for me uh, maybe a little too heavy-handed too mm. in, in in its message but i don't know just it doesn't work for me fair enough fair enough very good very good uh for me my my didn't get the hype is i i do i guess i do get the hype it just didn't hype me if that makes sense like i understand why people like it and it makes sense that there there's Trying to read your mind right now. It's, it's after Sun. Oh, okay. oh, really? Okay. I mean, it's it's fine, but there are there are better movies out this year that are just sort of like reflections through film of growing up. Uh, the Fablemans is a better movie. About uh, Three Minutes of Lengthening is a better movie. Uh, the Super Eight Years is a better movie um, that does the same kind of thing. And so it's, it's not gendered. It, I I know why some people connect with them. I just don't know why it wasn't one of these other ones. I, I, you you're know, part of there's there is a an, an after sun isn't as good as everybody says it is contingent yeah. you're not a, you're not on an island on this I, I think it's good i there, think it's fun there are people who it doesn't hit for as hard as it is hitting for some of us but yeah. I, but i but i recognize that if you are in the right headspace if you are in the right sort of just emotional journey in your life like i yeah. i understand why people love it i totally yeah. get it. it just it just didn't do it for me yeah and i i'm a little surprised that there's so many because that's know? when i i, I kind of felt you would because i let you borrow that after I watched it, right? Yeah. And I kind of felt like it'd be for you. Yeah, and it was. Because I'm I'm definitely, I think, a little more dust. I I, I admire it for what it is. I think mm-hmm. it's very well made. I, yeah. I mean, great performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it really comes together in really interesting ways. But yeah, I just, it was good. Yeah. You know, for me, it was good, not great. But I could see why people like it and, and have connected with it, I think. The moment for me where I was like, it went from being something that I kind of liked to something that I was loving is there's a, a pretty big emotional back and forth that happens between the uh the the 
two lead characters, the father and daughter. Mm. And we see most of that exchange and the reflection of a turned off television. And mm-hmm. that was the moment where I was like, let's fucking go. <laughs> the movie's all about mediation of images. Mm-hmm. It's all about like how camcorders are haunted artifacts. Like, yeah, I, th- it, it definitely went from like, this is cool to this is a hell of a debut for me at a certain point. And uh, again, I, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, I, I wish it worked for you, but hey, look, yeah. I, I'm sure I wish Triangle of Sadness worked on me, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's like it's not bad. It's just, you know, it just it wasn't a thing this year. Moving on then. Um, best franchise entry. I wonder at consensus again, but we'll see. I think there's a consensus on this one. The, very well, maybe. What is the best franchise entry of the year, Dalton? It's Prey. Yeah, it's Dan Trachtenberg's Prey. It's just so cool. There is not consensus. There's not consensus? That's good. I like it when we don't have consensus. Uh, But for me, it's Prey. Yeah, Prey is great, yeah. (laughs) What a cool movie. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. That Comanche dub just really does add another half star to it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's It's a good movie that, like, is historically important, which is... A rare thing to say about the fifth entry in an action horror franchise <laughs> is to right. say that there's something historically significant about it. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, yeah, you 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 want to hear us talk about this at length? Uh, there's a garbage shoot episode where we talk about Prey for 45 minutes, probably. Mm-hmm. Go check it out. I love yeah. this movie. Great, great. What is your favorite franchise entry, Arthur? Uh, you know that there's this weird way in which uh, I've come to associate the word franchise with Disney. And, sure. and so I was only looking at certain properties and because I didn't really feel like there were a lot of strong uh, franchise and, you know, Prey kind of, I, I like Prey a bit, but uh, I re look at my list here. Obviously for me, I think uh, I was going to say Black Panther, but I think it's actually the Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good answer. Which is just a really fun Batman movie. Uh, really, I think exceeded popular, you know, criticism of casting Pattinson. And, and obviously I think a lot of people, who have followed his career knew he was going to do well. Um, and so I think to have that kind of vindication with it, to get the world's greatest detective as well, uh, is a lot of fun. I think the third act waffles and, and the way the Riddler w- operates is not quite what I would want from say, the Riddler. You say third act. I say fifth act. <laughs> That's a big movie. <laughs> it is a big movie. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, but, I mean, Colin Farrell, again, coming in clutch here as, the, as Penguin. Can't wait for that spinoff series. Uh, those fun car chases with the uh, camera mounted to the side of the, the cars is, is a blast. That score. Yeah, I mean. That score, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's great. Uh, I do regret it being three hours, but it's a good, it's a good movie. Just, and, yeah. uh, you know, despite that, despite some fumbles, I think, in the back half, uh, a, lot, a lot to like there. And Andy Serkis is, is, is strong, and the relationship he has, I think, with Rob Patton. And uh, Kravitz. Yeah, Zoe, Zoe Kravitz, Kravitz is great, great as well. Yeah. Totally. And John Turturro. Mm-hmm. Love him. And Jeffrey Wright. Great. Great ensemble. You know what? He's eating itself. <laughs> Sorry, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. The yeah. Batman has your number. Uh, two against one. It is Batman as well for okay. me for all the same reasons. Um, I, I think Prey's a close second. Um, I like it a lot. But yeah, for me, it's definitely Batman as well. The Batman. Sorry, I, I Avatar like, fans. I do also like The Batman. So, yeah, we probably, we're just two and one kind of flip-flop probably for our list there. I think so. For that. All right, moving on to a very fun category. Wish We'd Caught It in a Theater. Mm. What is your selection for a Wish We Caught It in a Theater, Dalton? Well, look, while there's a certain film that probably would have worked better on me in IMAX, it's got to be Raj Mooley's RRR. Can you? <laughs> Dude, I wish I could have seen this. I wish I could have seen people busting out Not To Not To when the song hits, I wish I could have seen people dancing in the aisles to this one. I, I really wanted to see this with the hyped crowd. And we just, 
you know, we we got a very, very short theatrical release for this one here where we live, and it kind of predated the um the crossover hit status. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't we didn't get another uh re-release. Like, you know, LA New York is getting some pretty big IMAX showings, uh, you know, as far as as part of like the for your consideration campaign. And, you know, we're just not getting that here. And uh that's too bad. I, I would love to see this movie in a, a hyped up crowd. Can you imagine how oh, fun man, that would yeah. be? An Indian crowd. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it would be a great time. Yeah, excellent, excellent. What is your selection for which you'd seen it in theaters? Oh, uh, what I really wish I'd gotten around to, and I just never got the chance. It was the Three Thousand Years of Longing, uh, George Miller's uh, mm. pick with uh, Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton. Did you get to catch up with the movie? No, I never got to. Re- oh, dang! Yeah, that's one I'd really wanted to catch, and so uh, I feel like I missed that. I've seen some positive stuff about it. Uh, felt like it was kind of a flash in the pan, though, as, as far as release and marketing and what it was. Uh, but Tilda sitting in the sex genie thing, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's kind great. of interesting. Lucky number 13 for me. I liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah. so I, uh, I I really need to catch up with it, and hopefully it'll go streaming soon, and I can can do that because I like Elba. I, I, I like Tilda Swinton. Uh, another good year. Tilda Swinton mm. had a good year, I think, as oh, well. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's where I'm at. 3,000 Years of Longing from George Miller. It's a fantasy film that also ends up being an adult sitting in a room talking together film. Yeah. And I think you're really going to like it. It's yeah. weird. I mean, just the absolute fumble of the director of Mad Max Fury Road's follow-up getting buried. Just mm-hmm. a whiffed August By release. Fa- was that Searchlight? Uh, or do you know? No. That one is, I think it might be i'll come back to you all right uh for my selection it is a movie i wish was released in theaters it did not get it only got a streaming release and it should have been in theaters it is a made for tv film it is marvel's werewolf by night okay i would love to have caught that halloween night in a theater full of you know classic hollywood you know sort of monster movie fans and mcu fans that movie is a good time it's fun and uh, i am i would have given it more stars i said on my letterbox review if they had not cheated on the werewolf transformation i was very very upset about that uh so spoilers on that because they do a uh, a silhouette and shadow uh transformation for um yeah. Which is fine, uh, but I like a good werewolf transformation. But other than that, that's the only flaw in the film. I mean, it's it's perfect. It's exactly what I want out of a werewolf by night, and I love that franchise and character anyway. So, um, but yes, I would love to have gotten the chance to see that one in a theater. That would have been great. Well, unfortunately, Marvel doesn't hire any practical effects teams to do anything, and well, <laughs> that uh, there American go. Werewolf in London thing wouldn't work so well in a Marvel property. No, but it would have been that movie though. That black that Lon Chaney transformation would have been great. Um, so there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts on uh, what we wish we'd seen in the theater. We move on to our next category of superlatives, which is our best action slash set piece. What say you, Dalton? Well, as much as I'd love to give more love to RRR, I am going to go ahead and not do that because I want to highlight Gina Prince-Bythewood's The Woman King, oh, which yeah. has some really great action set pieces. I think for me, it comes down to the escape or the exploding anthills fight. Both very cool, uh, fun movie, really good action set pieces. Uh, very cool to see Bythewood's follow up to, um, the order. No, not the order. What's it called? Oh my God. It's a Netflix movie. The, uh, oh my gosh, the guard, the old guard. That's what it's called. The old guard, uh, really enjoyed her action chops on the old guard, getting to work with the John Wick team and to see sort of like how she's uh, advanced as an action filmmaker in the years between the old guard and woman King was really exciting. Uh, 
just cool. Again, we, you know, we, we talked, Arthur talked about the nineties movies that were sort of getting resurgence on and the woman King sort of that, you know, historical action blockbuster. That was the bread and butter of the nineties in many ways, especially with, you know, stuff like Braveheart and this definitely feels part of that lineage. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, they fudge a lot of the truth to make a more, you know, exciting Hollywood film. And that's what Hollywood films is. Sometimes it's to get you excited about something. So you learn a little bit more on your own time. Uh, I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. Very good, very good. What is your favorite action set piece, R. Arthur? Uh, it's roughly the last hour of Avatar, The Way of Water. Mm, uh, good answer. Which is, I mean, say what you will about Jim Cameron and and his his approach to uh, the last half of his career, but uh, the guy can still make an action movie. Uh, and the, the shooting of the battle at water uh, with boats sinking and, I mean... Multiple characters, multiple ships, the way in which he navigates that geography without losing a thread is just so impressive. And there are so many moments as characters are running around uh, the sinking ship that I thought of the Titanic Mm -hmm. and and the way in which he does a lot of the same stuff here. And obviously we get the practical water photography, which looks gorgeous superposed with the the CGI stuff. I mean incredibly you know visually breathtaking uh but it, it, it's like he stuck the blue people on the Titanic he got my notes from when I was 12 which was shouldn't Billy Zane and uh Leo DiCaprio have a knife fight yeah. Should, shouldn't they be having a knife fight on board yes. the sinking ship? And yeah. Jim heard me and he said, yes, they should have. You're right. Yeah. I should have put a knife fight in yeah. that movie. And he, he did it. But there's so many moving parts with the space whales and the poachers and the Marines and the, the uh, Navi. And it's, you don't lose track of any of it now. Nah. And, and for 45 minutes, it, it keeps this momentum in this giant, not even really giant battle. I mean, it's not a huge battle of Helm's deep army. The stakes are kind of small. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's still grandiose, but small and so effective. I mean, that was a movie that for two hours was like, it's okay. And then for the last hour, I was like, Oh, Jim (laughs) came to play. (laughs) And when Jim came to play, it was it was a good time. When he hits, he hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's it for me. It's it's that water battle in uh, Avatar. All right. Well, I'm going to say what Arthur or what Dalton didn't say. Uh, it's R R R. It's it's Nato Nato or Nacho Nacho. However you say Nacho, it. Nacho. Uh, and man, that dance sequence is the best action in that whole film. And the the whole film is great action sequences. And so I I did not know I needed an action set piece musical in my life, but I did, and it totally works. And it is an incredible film and uh, incredible bit of action cinema and i want to see more and more things like it in the future mm, not salsa not flamenco my brother getting to see not to not to on the oscar stage should be a good time it's, man, oh, I it's want that. so fucking good oh i can't wait yeah i'm it's gonna it's gonna be as good it's gonna be the best original song presentation since they had robin williams do blame canada mm. that's my theory well, let's go to the last category, which is the guilty pleasure. Definitely not making the list for us, but we like it so much anyway. What is the guilty pleasure of 2022 for you, Dalton? Uh, for me, it is Christian T- Taftrup's Speak No Evil, uh, a film that made my top 25, but uh, is something that I'm like not going to recommend to most people because it's <laughs> I wouldn't recommend Barbarian to most people. Despite being a, you know, having some pretty dark and challenging stuff in it, it's like still a crowd pleasing horror film. Mm-hmm. Speak No Evil is like 
that's some sicko shit. It's it's for nasty little fuckers. It's <laughs> it's gross. It's mean. It it don't like you and it wants you to be unhappy and sad. And I think it rules. <laughs> it kicks so much ass. Uh so I'll, here's here's the logline. A Danish family visits a Dutch family they met on holiday. What was supposed to be an idyllic weekend slowly starts unraveling as the Danes try to stay polite in the face of unpleasantness. Uh, it is very much a what could go wrong movie and all the worst things that could possibly happen start happening. Uh, yeah, it's great. Don't don't go hang out with people you meet on vacation. You don't know what their life is like. You don't know what those people are up to. Speak no evil. My guilty pleasure of 2022. Arthur, what about you? Is there anything you're embarrassed about? Anything you're not going to recommend to most people? Uh, I think my guilty pleasure this year uh, was actually, uh, it is a franchise film, and it's Black Adam, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Okay. uh, Which, again, feels like uh, not necessarily a 90s movie, but definitely an early aughts uh, movie, not unlike The One. Um, It's goofy, campy action movie. Uh, at its worst, I guess. <laughs> uh, but the the big thing is the the Justice Society and Aldous Hodge as Hawkman is just people are loving him. I've heard the good stuff. I, yeah, yeah I, I I need the solo movie. I need the TV show. I need the lunchbox. <laughs> um, and then Pierce Brosnan is Doctor Fate. Like it's just a one two punch that just works very well. And Aldous Hodge plays very well off the rock, mm. uh, and and being the super boy scouty kind of foil to the antihero, the man in black of Dwayne the Rock Johnson's mm-hmm. long awaited passion project. Um, it's just great. I, I mean, I, I would just watch it for to rewatch the the stuff with uh, Hodge and and, and Brosnan because they're they're a lot of fun, and I think they bring a lot of substance to a movie that really doesn't have it and and i think it does some fun stuff narratively has some interesting ideas um and i like john colette sarah quite a bit anyway as a director um but you know it's it's one of those things where it's it's definitely Dwayne the rock johnson's movie uh unfortunately guess we won't see any more of that world but (laughs) (laughs) because he forgot the receipts and so uh yeah uh yeah it's it's my good i don't know i'd recommend it to anybody okay uh, but maybe I would. I don't know. And it depends on the person, I guess. Uh, so that's where I'm at. It is Black Adam. That's fun. What's that's your fun. guilty pleasure? Guys, I really like Don't Worry Darling a lot. It is not good, but I love it. Good. I feel that. I Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, man. I mean, we, we did a whole show on this. We I, will become Don't Worry Darling defenders within the next five years. Yeah. yeah. It's going to happen. It is. It's. It's it, already beginning. Yes, Great the cons. seeds are planted. Yeah, I, I'm, but I'm there for it. I'm, just, I'm, yeah. just, I'm, I'm just there for that silly, silly movie, and uh, it works aesthetically. It works for me more than anything. Yeah, and so yeah, I, I would watch Don't Worry, Darling right now. I don't know that I recommend it very often. I think I would because I, it's again, it's that kind of '90s movie thing that totally. You mm-hmm. know, I've had people ask about it. And I'm like, it's good. just kind of gauge their interest in similar types of movies, mm-hmm. and yeah, go for it. I would, if you can watch X, then you could uh, not 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 tie West X, but if you could watch insert movie here, mm-hmm. you could definitely watch. Don't worry, darling, and, and probably enjoy it. I would recommend it as a deliriously silly film. Mm-hmm. It's definitely like a trashy melodramatic little sci-fi thing. It's part and of I the think charm. that's fun. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, works for me. Yeah. So there you go. Big fan. Let's move on, though, to the conclusion of the show, which is the, what we've all come here really to do, which is our top five films of the year. We go in numbers around, so we start with number five. Dalton, you get to go first. What is number five for you, my friend? Number five is Todd Field, Cape Lanchette, Tar. Yeah. I love this movie. It's, I you know, there's five-star movies that got squeezed out of the top five by this is a four and a half star film and it squeezed out after sun and, um, RRR. I just, I can't get rid of this movie. Like there's, there's stumbles. I think the end is a little, I don't know, Western centric in a way that kind of comes across as exoticizing, uh, East Asia. So like there's, there's definitely some stuff that I'm like cock my eyebrow and go, what are we doing here, Todd? Mm -hmm. But overall, like I just, I can't quit this movie. I can't stop thinking about it. Uh, I, I love Lydia Tar. Lydia Tar is following me on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I've got a Tar a Tar fan account. Somebody's tweeting as Lydia. It's a, it's great. great. It was a big day for me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I just I, I love this movie. Apartment for sale. Come on, punching Jeremy Strong and calling him a nothing. Great. Uh, trying to get uh, what's her Olga to order the cucumber salad and failing. Great. She's so <laughs> obsessed with getting her Mahler's fifth recording put on vinyl. She brings it up like three or four times. She can't stop asking people if they're going to be able to secure the vinyl release. It's so good. Yeah. What a picture. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's uncut gems with way more restraint. It's it's a it's a fancy person falling apart instead of a somebody who's like totally chaotic falling apart. Uh yeah, I just I love this movie. I it's it's very funny and it's weird kind of esoteric winkly winking at you sort of way. It's got so many weird jokes that it's hiding. It's got this highly controlled cinematography uh that is following a person who is totally unraveling and that juxtaposition works so well for me. And again, the, the places where the film is deathly serious and the places where it's uproariously funny. I just, I think those juxtapositions work really well. Uh, it's, it's an unforgettable film and I think it's got a strong shot at best picture. Uh, it's, it's, it would be one of the more interesting best picture wins we've had. Uh, mm. if, if, uh, if it does, cause it is, you know, I mean, uh, Wesler Call, one of your guys, is definitely sort of shouted out by the film, I think, mm -hmm. a little bit. You know, yeah, there's yeah. definitely some, you know, Todd Fields, like, has people that he's, you know, mentioning or in his screenplay, not his screenplay, in his in his shot compositions. And it's not just Stanley. Like, there's right. definitely other people that he's paying tribute Absolutely. to. Absolutely. And uh, it, it definitely is... It was worth the wait. You know, I'm a fan of Little Chil Little Children, his uh, last film. And, you know, he took 16 years to just direct commercials and came back swinging with tar what a picture very good very good what is number five for you arthur uh it is coconata's after yang yeah it's uh, good kickstarting colin farrell's year i think in, in strong ways uh this movie just really stayed with me and then kind of rewatching it with cells and uh it, it's so economic in the way it does so much with so little i mean two, three sets, a uh, small cast, um, but visually very interesting the way in which it's, you know, cutting between aspect ratios to represent phone calls or video calls and the way in which uh, it explores memory, the way in which it explores AI and sentience and purpose and life and fulfilled life and what that looks like in the way 
people interact with one another and the mark that they leave on one another and this sort of karmic idea of, you know, crossing paths and different lives. There's something I think really beautiful about that as well. Um, and it's just, it's just dynamite out of the gate with, you know, arguably the best opening credit sequence of the year. Totally. Um, existing in this kind of near future science fiction world is definitely an aesthetic. I'm always for, um, this kind of grounded near future thing that it's doing. Colin Farrell runs a tea shop, Mm -hmm. loves tea because why not? Uh, it's those little things and, and the way in which he gets to explore himself through this, this journey to figure out what to do after Yang, uh, and I think it's just just a little powerhouse of a movie. And yeah. It just really stuck with me, and I really love it. Another sort of 2022 theme of the dance sequence. Yeah. Right, you know, yeah. totally yeah. a thing of this year as yep. well. So um, for me, Memoria is at number five. Uh, we asked to recall. Yeah. Uh, and uh, which is weirdly a 2021 and 2022 movie because of strange release scheduling. Uh, this movie is only getting released uh, at one theater at a time. Mm -hmm. And so it'll be in theaters forever. And which is why no one's seen it. But Tilda Swinton uh, plays a woman living in Columbia. And she is suddenly disturbed by loud banging noises uh, because of tunneling that's going on in the Andes Mountain. And I it's you were say it was her neighbors. It is. They are neighbors. I suppose. I will not give away spoilers. Um, this movie makes a twist at the end that is not even what it's about, but it is so bananas and bonkers of what it chooses to do. But it's all about just let's just not take ourselves quite so seriously, and let's just go ahead and deal with and think about our memories and then live in the present moment. And uh, it's, a, it's a real sort of slow meditation uh, on those kinds of ideas. Swinton, um, her, she performs as good in Spanish as she does in English, and that kind of makes me mad. Uh, it's incredible her performance uh, in the film and uh, sonically just really really interesting and I recommend Memoria a lot so a difficult film to see right now it is yeah I, I think eventually they'll have a home video release at some point but as of now there is not one so but I recommend it a lot that's number five for me moving on to number four what's number four for you Dalton number four is Laura Poitras's All the Beauty and the Bloodshed I didn't catch this one yeah the documentary about Nan Golden and her both her career as an artist, her adolescence and upbringing in suburbia, and her ongoing campaign to uh, get the damn Sackler family's name out of uh, art installations and museums around the world. Uh, what a powerful film. Um, I have a hard time with most things that are about the opiate opioid epidemic uh personally impacted by it and it is uh, not always easy for me to engage with and to see this story of nan golden somebody who you know struggled with addiction with opioid addiction and came out the other side of it trying to do activism that is daring to hold the sackler family accountable for their role in uh an ongoing epidemic is uh i was powerful stuff man and uh, Nan Golden is, you know, interesting as an artist and as an activist. So just having a compelling central figure makes for a good documentary alone. But the ways in which it sort of tells her story in parallel is really interesting. The way we, we talk about Nan Golden's past in the film while also talking about her present is just really effective filmmaking, uh, really impactful documentary. Uh, I like Portress's work, you know, Citizen Four, her Ed, Snowden, Ed Snowden documentary from a couple years back. I remember liking that one quite a bit too. Uh, and this just, this really connected for me. Um, yeah, I, I think it's an incredibly moving film and, uh, 
I don't know. It, it does a great job of showing the the real impact art can have, uh, which I think it's easy to lose sight on. You know, we talk about films and we we enjoy them from afar and we we try to chop them up and say, what do they say about us and what do they say about our times and our place? And I think obviously documentaries got that that immediacy a little bit more uh, at its forefront most of the time. That that sort of that real worldness is undeniable for obvious reasons when we're talking about a nonfiction film and uh yeah this just uh really does a great job of of reminding you that uh, art does not have to start and stop at the artist it can be about a lot of things and uh yeah a great film i really strongly recommend anybody uh catch up with it uh it's you know not often do i get to many docs in a, in a given release year but this was one i really wanted to get to and i'm so glad that i did it's number four all the beauty and the bloodshed. Very good, very good. What comes in at number four for you, Arthur? Uh, my number four is Todd Field's Tar. Ah, nice. Um, yes! Just an absolute powerhouse of a movie. I've already talked about Kate Blanchett uh, about as much as I would dare to uh, on this. But, uh, man, uh, just echoing Dalton. I, I, I mean, cinematography, editing, story, script. I, I, I think the way in which it tackles its subject matter... Uh, important subject matter in non-heavy-handed, non-preachy ways. I, I think the way in which it allows room to really, you know, question events, I, I think is smart. I, I don't think there's any doubt about what type of person Lydia Tarr is. Yeah. But I, I, I think the movie is smart enough not to just be on the nose with everything. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important way to 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 approach that topic and that subject. Um, Dalton mentions uh, Uncut Gems. I thought a lot about Phantom Thread, one of my mm -hmm. sure. top 100 movies, I think it was in that list. And uh, the way in which these, I think, pair, uh, the the weird power dynamics, the weird relationships, uh, but also just the style itself, the look, the visuals, echoes of one another. Um, there are spectral images in Phantom Thread, and we get similar spectral images here. Mm -hmm. uh, just you know, bizarre things kind of taking place as, as these characters wrestle with uh, the things. And you know, uh, Woodcock is not a good guy, uh, and, and Lydia Tarr is not a good woman. Um, mm -hmm. But I think they're still compelling individuals to to see their stories play out and to just see Lydia Tarr unraveling is so compelling. And again. A lot of that's Blanchett, but a lot of it's filled script and direction as well. Yeah, it's not all her. And, and well, and powerful co-stars too, right? Nina yeah. Haas and yep. Naomi Merlant, just like yeah. yeah, killing it. Yeah, and great uh, casting. Mm. Uh, I think kind of intertextually as well with both of those uh, actresses mm -hmm. is really smart. Uh, and and then Mark Strong with that that comb over toupee thing he's he's got going on <laughs> uh, is a blast, mm -hmm. uh, and it's. You know, it's got that sharp humor that's not obvious unless you're really paying attention and you kind of get some guffaws out of it. Uh, man, I, I don't know if it was. I, I wanted to see it on release. I missed it and then kind of got more, you know, it was two and a half hours and drama. Me too. And I wasn't sure what kind of movie that would be. And to finally sit down and just bite the bullet and watch it and just be blown away uh, by this magnum opus of a movie, I think was just so much fun. And yeah, Tar is number four. Yeah, it's super good. It's super good. I like Tar a lot. For might me, have, 
Might have should have been higher, but I don't know. I, dude, I'm right there with you. It's a movie that I the like. More I talk about it, it's my first Letterboxd review when I my for watch number one was just LFG. Like yeah. I, I was electrified by that movie coming yeah. out of it. So I'm I'm right there with you. I, I'm also not sure if I put it high enough. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Dustin. What's your number four? Number four for me is Aneta Kusinjanovic. If you can't pronounce uh, it, it can't be on your Croatian list. Croatian film. It's uh, Marina. Uh, mm-hmm. Sun-soaked film noir. Uh, Coming-of-age story meets Alfred Hitchcock by way of Knife in the Water. Uh, by way of uh, a little bit of The Postman Always Rings Twice, but not. it. Man, it is, it is uh, incredibly suspenseful. Mm-hmm. It is incredibly engaging. It ties you up in knots. You don't know what's going to happen. And it's all about just trying to grow up. Uh, I think the uh, performance, uh, obviously the star here um, by Gracia Philip Filipovich is great there, but uh, Cliff Curtis, you might see oh, yeah, and, cool. and recognize him uh, in, in the film as well. But uh, Scorsese loved it a lot and uh, really kind of uh, championed the film. Produced it, right? Uh, produced and producing work on it, um, which is, I think, mostly distribution work is how he got the production credit. Gotcha. Uh, the movie got made, and then he jumped on uh, for distribution purposes. But nonetheless, um, man, it is just a uh, really, really um, psychological film in which it holds its cards so close you really don't understand what the characters are doing, what their motivations are, until you get to the very, very end of the film, and that's really what makes it work. Uh, really, really well-written film and yep. beautiful to see. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's sitting right outside my top 15. I think it, you know, it's mm-hmm. right at 16, and um, it, it's a great movie. It's simple in a lot of ways, but also narratively complex mm-hmm. in a lot of ways you know those character motivations like you mentioned but it's also got arguably the most suspense filled tension filled scene i've seen in a long time yeah, yeah. Uh, involving some water yeah uh and just holding my breath what's gonna happen because it's one of those movies where anything could happen. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's 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 no trust. And yeah. so you, you no one has plot armor on. It's it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm glad you caught up and recommended that one. Man, I love Marina a lot. Watch. Sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. Totally, totally great film. All right, moving on to number three. Dalton, what comes in at three for you? Uh my number three is the already mentioned After Yang by Koganada. Man, it's so good. It's such a great film. It's just beautiful to look at. Uh Arthur already mentioned a lot uh, of things to love about it. Um, I'll, I'll echo some of, of those thoughts. Uh, I'm, I'm very there for the, how far into the future are we time mm-hmm. setting? I love yeah. that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And there's so much kind of clever stuff going on in the background. Like what's up with these self-driving cars and why do they all have gardens inside? Yes. Of them? It's just cr- my favorite detail. I, I yeah. love that. Piece I pointed it out yeah. to him like, while we were watching, like, why? I, I don't know why it's there, but I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just great. Just great stuff like that. And it, it, the film that like uses its sci-fi trappings to deal with so much about the Chinese diaspora without like really talking about like it, it deals with the Asian American spirit experience and like such a kind of off the beaten path and not in your face way. Like it, it uses positions Yang, the Android as a, a person who can never fully understand their own identity and uses that, that through line, that connection to kind of say something about the Asian American experience and like that, that specificity uh, is what allows it to have so many moments of universality. And like, that's what we're after Yang really sings is like using the universal and the specific to kind of help one another, you know, the ways in which 
you know, it's uh, we've got Colin Farrell having to deal with his own biases about like mm-hmm. uh, non, you know, clones, clones. and yeah, like it, the, all the sorts of stuff that he as a character deals with, like the, his biases against Yang and like how he he realizes after the fact that he didn't really value Yang as a whole person, as a whole entity. He just sort of treated him as a appliance. It's really the humanizing AI yeah. film, and which is you know so so fascinating and surprising to see because so often those movies are. The movies in which um, we have to be scared of, yeah, them. scared of them, yeah, yeah. I, I I'm always there for the uh, the film that says, you know what, maybe uh, the thing that we make is gonna like be better than us. Uh, at least considers the possibility mm-hmm. that uh, something with that's able to step outside the human experience and, and uh, view it from sort of a, a non biased third party perspective might actually come out with some better conclusions than we've come up with. Yeah, uh, I I love After Yang. I just think it's incredible. It hit me so hard. And uh, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since I saw it. And uh, yeah, opening credits of the year. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Number three for you, Arthur. Uh, my number three is uh, Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a movie uh, for me, about me, by me. Not really. <laughs> uh, love. I mean, just absolutely. I mean, I'm a sucker for movies about movies in, in a lot of those same ways. The Academy. But I think... The idea of the way in which the storyteller has to at time the 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 power the storyteller has to shape the image mm-hmm. I think is the the takeaway yeah you know it's not just a nostalgia for movies it, it is this a reckoning with do I reveal this person's secret or do I make them out to be a good person? You know, do I take this person who's tormented me and humiliate them or show them as the hero? Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. It's those questions that I think it really grapples with and is frustrated with. And just great performance from Michelle Williams. Uh, I can't mm-hmm. remember uh, young, not Steven Spielberg's name, uh, <laughs> right. Gabrielle Bell yeah, um, there. Seth Rogen's really strong. Don't know. It's my favorite Paul Dano performance, um, but he's be. solid. Uh, no, I, I don't. Not for me. It's not. Yeah. But I, I, I think uh, Judd Hirsch shows up uh, for about 15 minutes and steals the show. Yeah, I've heard uh, he's really incredible in yeah. his, his sequence. Yeah, and just just a tornado. And well, uh, a cameo through. from David Lynch. Yeah, spoiler it's alert. Incredible. I'm not aware of it. Yeah, no, huge, just for huge listeners blind, in general. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's that month I'm not, old. Saying, I'm not saying who he is. I'm just saying yeah. it is him. Uh, yeah, it's fun. It's a fun bit. Um, the way in which it, I, you know, it's a really interesting when I, I think a filmmaker makes a story about themselves and doesn't happen often. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of was thinking about this recently in discussion, but the other, other one I can really think of is uh, Miyazaki with The Wind Rises, mm-hmm. which is kind of a similar thing as well. Did you get to Armageddon time from this year? No. Yeah, it's definitely not about movies, but I it's hyper autobiographical. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, huh? I have it. In my I know. House. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I had a stream. I just didn't get around to it. It's pretty good. I, um, I don't love it. It's one I'm. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of came out at the same time as Tar, and I just didn't get to it and yeah. didn't find the time for it. Um, but Failman's absolutely works for me. It's so fascinating. This this is the Spielberg movie that didn't get wide. You know, the huge kind of wide release because I think it would have connected mm-hmm. with general audiences in a big way just by the sheer nature of the the. There's something old school about it in, in a lot of ways, and it feels like a classic 70s, 80s movie 
in, in a lot of ways, I think. And so uh, there's a lot of fun to be had with it. Um, when when students start praying for one another, uh, <laughs> there's a prayer and it goes things on. Things happen, uh, and it's <laughs> man, I love it. It's a good time. Yeah, I really admire uh, the Fablemans. Yeah, I like it a lot too. That's a good pick. So for me, number three is uh, Chen Park Wook uh, and Decision to Leave. Really? Yeah, like oh, Decision yeah. to Leave good a movie. lot, man. Well, it, it's a Hitchcock movie that's also a uh, tragedy. It's a Shakespearean tragedy. I uh, totally. Yeah, it is. I I remember. I, I think I told Masters that it's uh, an erotic thriller without the erotic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. that's fair. Yeah, yeah, and 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 really is. I'm mean, Shakespearean levels of tragedy, and uh, it it's just effective from start to finish. It's my number twenty four. Yeah, I, I think it's incredible. Yeah, I love it a lot. Yeah. So uh, for me, that comes in at number three. I'll say no more. Let's move on to number two. What comes in number two for you, Dalton? My number two is Jordan Peele's Nope. Come on, that's, that was almost why I didn't get the hype. Really? Yeah, I, I mean, love it's it. Fine, it's a good Jaws movie. I, man, I think it's doing so much. It's it's a movie about why we like Jaws. You know, it's a movie yeah. about why we're obsessed with spectacle, what that says about us as a film going public. You know, it's it's doing so much with so little. You know, there's it's it's got these little chapter breaks that kind of give it some texture, but like it's it's giving you so much with the Gordy subplot, like it, mm. it, it in tying these themes of gordy to the horses to the entity in the sky like these through lines that get drawn about like the other beings that we share creation with and how we use them and what we expect out of them and uh how that can blow up in our faces spectacularly mm. uh it's just great it's it's scary it's funny it's it's got so and again you're right it, it owes a lot to things like jaws i mean i think jaws is like the thing that is most directly like but i watched jaws and this in imax this this year and i'm sorry nope's a better movie mm. it's just more exciting it's got less fat it's got more character building it's funnier it is a more exciting film and sure it helps that there's been 40 years of filmmaking uh to to kind of come and i uh, look i'm not undercounting that spielberg's one of the best to ever do it but uh recognize peels here uh, and he's making his big movies now. Uh, with that, that Hoyt Van Hoytema cinematography is just electric. I mm -hmm. mean, those big open vistas. It's it's a western. It's a horror movie. It's doing so much. It's got Michael Wincott, which is really Michael Wincott and IMAX baby. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I knew that appealed to you especially. Yeah, I love Wincott. God, dude, I'm yeah. You know, Michael Wincott is a, a childhood fixture for me. As mm -hmm. uh, top dollar in the crow. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. The 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 Michael Wincott uh, appreciation fan club has logged on. And we are here to say we love him doing a spoken word performance of one-eyed, one-horned, <laughs> flying purple people eater. Just an incredible moment of of filmmaking. <laughs> I it's so scary, it's so funny, it's just doing it all. And again, like I think it's got a lot of subtext to to chew on. And uh, what's not to love about uh, Kiki Palmer doing the Akira slide on that dirt bike? That's cool shit. That is fun. It's number two. It's Jordan Peele's note. Very good, very good. What comes at number two for you, Arthur? It's the one-two punch of Ty West's X and Slash Pearl. Yeah. Man, I like those two movies a lot, I, man. Uh, man, I don't... and I, I mean, I know some people love Pearl more than X. I, I prefer X, I think, more to Pearl. But I, I, either one can go... I, Mia Goth is almost my performance of the year. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, especially in Pearl, the way she just nails that uh, monologue uh, there at the end and just a way in which a 
switch flips uh, while she's talking. And, and uh, after Yang has the opening credits of the year and Pearl gets the closing credits of the yeah, year. No doubt. Um, no, yeah. Which is just so great. Uh, and, it, you know, so fun that they made X and Mia Goth and Ty were like, hey, guess what? <laughs> let's do this. Yeah. And let's make another. And now we're making the third. Like, there's something really fun about the spontaneity of that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but X was the first time in a while I sitting in a movie theater watching a movie feeling like I was in some sort of roller coaster of what's going to happen next. It, it's a feeling I hadn't had in a long time, I don't think. And so that kind of just stuck it up near the top of my list from the moment I saw it. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's really fun. It's got all those kind of Ty West things about it uh, as, as the kind of mumblecore horror background, uh, him inserting himself as, I think, a director uh, in, in the movie. Um, also, another big step for jenna ortega yeah who had a huge year as well Mm -hmm. uh britney snow's a blast uh kid cuddy's a hoot and so mia gotho mvp three different performances across Mm -hmm. these two movies and pearl's kind of loving homage to the wizard of oz and then thinking about the metatextual nature of stardom and judy garland and the studios and and the abuse and I think there's a lot there to really dig into totally. and man, just, just love those two movies. And so that, that's where I'm at at number two is X in parentheses, Pearl. I, I, I like them both. Now I'm, I'm, I'm like the opposite Pearl in parentheses. X, I think that's where most, most people have yeah. landed that I've talked to, but man, I just, I don't know. I, they I, both work. They both totally work. She's a star. She's a star. She's a star. She's a bright, big shining star. Yes, yeah, she is. Love her. So very good. Very good. Uh, coming in at number two for me. Um, I like my comedy, like my coffee. I like it black. That's Triangle of Sadness. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, man, I tell you what, for me, the movie just worked. I, I laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. It's Boonwell's Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie meets Dushan Makhavev's sweet movie. It's gross. and it. Uh, That's the, why he likes it so much more than you, because he can just throw those names out at mm, random. Yeah. Makes him feel good. Makes I, him feel better than me. I... And you know what it, what it also does, is it, it lets a highbrow person like this think they're lowbrow because they laughed at diarrhea. <laughs> I get to like what I like. I you do. do. I mean, did you watch it by yourself or did you watch it with I watched it with Beck. Yeah. She, I, we're, we were both kind of aligned on it. I think we liked different, I, we both really connected with the first part of the movie. We were mm-hmm. both really on board with the, the Yaya yeah. and um, Carl. Carl. Stuff. Yeah. We were uh, having ourselves a grand old time watching it. Man, we man. I, I, yeah, maybe just sort of an audience sort of experience kind of moment for I, me as I well. I think it was just, you know, for me, it was inflated expectations. I was really excited for it. So I, and I, I think kind of just... had, I think, lowered because in the same way as Tar as I'd heard so much about it mm. and what it was about. And I was like, OK, I guess I'll, you know, I'll watch it to do do the thing and watch it. But really taken with it yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, man, I just laughed. I mean, and, which is a, a comedy that moves me. And that intellectually stimulates me as well sure. is is rare, and so for me, just that's that's a high that's a high mark to meet. And I think as a viewer, has one of the great final lines, final shots of the year too. Mm-hmm. With uh, really you can work for me. It's a really spectacular ending. Ambiguity yeah. of yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know that it's that ambiguous. I think, ambiguous. I think we all yeah. know what happens, but I think, well, I think it's just the weight of that situation. Is, yeah, is really what gets me. Totally, not, not the ambiguity, but just yeah, all of that. And mm-hmm. here we are. And here yeah. we are. We're right and back. Here we are. 
Yeah, yeah, just works. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it a lot. So it's that's a, it's a good movie. Yeah, that's number two for me. Uh, moving on to number one, best movie of the year. What do you say, Dalton? Number one with a bullet. With it's a bullet. Daniels. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I like that once. movie a lot. Uh, this is not surprising if you've followed the show this year. I mean, I put this movie in my top 100 before we were even out of 2022. The Notorious Non-Rewatchers watched it five times now? Uh, three. The, oh. the Notorious Non-Rewatcher watched it three times in the year. With three and a half times yeah i i love this movie i just Mm -hmm. you know take everything i said about as far as like using the specific and the um general to like you know that uh line i was giving you on after yang this is doing it too i talk about movies about the asian american experience this year but like after yang and this are both doing it in like very interesting ways and and again taking the specificity of that experience and like finding a way to tell those stories in ways that are, I think, relatable to general audiences, regardless of, you know, identity politics and background. Like, we've all got struggles with our family. Uh, We've all got struggles with our own brains, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think what this film does is it takes some of the, the realest and heaviest things you can deal with as a human being and says, but what if it were, you know, uh, a kung fu comedy? What what if it were yeah sure what if we had the the family drama stuff but what if we also brought in a multiverse jumping existential uh, hot dog finger farce with the everything bagel with the everything bagel and yeah. including uh, every uh, Craigslist ad uh, and uh, every breed of dog yeah I I just love this movie I think every performance is incredible I mean obviously Michelle Yeoh is is the goat mm-hmm. but I mean Kehi Kwan and Stephanie Su and yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis are also like just and the the inimitable James Hong like yeah. James oh, Hong is so good dude. It just we're not going to get that many more James Hong performances, folks. He's an old man, and uh, I value every single one we get. And I love him as uh, was it? Oh my God! What is, what was Grandpa? Gong 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 Gong. Yeah, I love him. He's so good. Yeah, <laughs> he's so great. Uh, yeah, I just an incredible film that makes me cry every time I watch it. It's full of heart. It's full of surprises. It's uh, the the stuff that there are some jokes in here that are like almost too twee. And it, it just, it nails it. It, mm. it lands all of its bits. And like some of it is like, again, jokes that might not, not even be that funny, but are like, because of the tone of the film is so self-assured, like it all works within the mm. text. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This movie just worked on me like gangbusters and I, uh, I can't let it go. It's become one of my favorite films. I just, I think it's incredible. Yep. I loved it a lot too. Very good. Very good. Uh, what do you say for number one, Arthur? What's the best film of 2022? Yeah. The worst kept secret of the year. Yeah. Uh, it's Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, Mr. <clears throat> Mr. Hollywood uh, made a movie that had a seven month theatrical run, uh, made $1.4 billion and uh, made people remember why they like going to movies uh, in a lot of ways. And man, I, I just, again, uh, I'm not a Top Gun fan. It was not a brand loyalty thing. I'm, I like Tom Cruise. I wait for the day he kills himself on set for our sins. Um, and this is just another step in that. And, and the, the guy has a passion for flying and a passion for, for showing that. And, the the practical stuff, the photography, the the cinematography, the technical prowess of it, and the classic kind of again an eighties nineties thing about it, the way in which it feels like a movie out of time in in many ways. 
just strikes for me. I, I love it. Uh, you know, the three, four times I've seen it now, I just, every time I'm enthralled in the story, uh, gave us Glenn Powell in a major way, uh, who is just movie star potential. Totally. Yeah. Uh, for sure. you know, in, in many ways. And, uh, man, yeah, it's just great. I, I love it. I, I, the, the, the flying, uh, the, the, the way in which I know everything's going to succeed, um, but still am, am along for the ride. Uh, and I, you know, no fault. I, I think there are ways the story could have been more interesting. You know, I, I, I'm not opposed to, I mean, I think the smarter move is to kill Maverick. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the way to go, but I think it works as is. I think it's just so smooth, so well executed, just as well executed as that, uh, that run, uh, there at the end. So the Star Wars run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it works. The sheer, it does work. the audacity. Yeah. Yeah. They taught all those actors to fly jets. It is yeah. insane. It's dangerous filmmaking that yeah. worked and paid off. I mean, it's like he's a cult leader or something. You know? <laughs> God, I'm so glad we don't work in California. <laughs> we never will with these opinions. No, right. no <laughs> never once, never once. Uh, all right. Well, my best film of the year is a film that nobody saw. Sounds and, about right. Yep. Uh, and everyone should see. It's Neptune Frost. Uh, oh yeah. Set in Burundi, uh, directed by Saul Williams, uh, uh, with the incredible. It's a musical, Afrofuturist, science fiction, uh, anti-capitalist. I don't even know what to say to describe this movie. It is um, the best Afrofuturist film for sure of 2022. It's much better than uh, Wakanda Forever. And uh, it is, uh, let me just read this description for you real quick. Um, off of a letterbox. In the hilltops of Burundi, a group of escaped coltan miners form an anti-capitalist or anti-colonialist computer hacker collective. From their camp in another worldly e-waste dump, they attempt to take over the authoritarian regime, exploiting the region's natural resources and its people. When an intersects runaway and an escaped coltan miner find each other through cosmic forces, their connection sparks glitches within the greater divine circuitry. That sounds nuts. It's yeah. insane. And it works. It's confusing, but it elliptical, but it's and it's super super low budget in some ways but it absolutely 100% works man it is an incredible achievement in filmmaking it's available on Canopy right now uh, for free and uh, various other players I'm sure also have it uh, where you can rent it uh, for money money uh, which might be the way to go because I'm sure this movie's not making any cash at all anywhere but um, it, it is the movie of 2022 that I just keep thinking about and keep thinking about uh, man, it works. It really, really, really works. So uh, it's um, it's good. Um, soundtrack's good too. Unanimous Goldmine, uh, which is the sort of catchphrase for how you say hi in this uh, sort of uh, weird future place. Mm -hmm. It's how you say hello is Unanimous Goldmine. Uh, Great. Which is just bizarre, but it's uh, a play off of uh, uh, most of the songs are a play off of uh, the album released by Saul Williams a few years earlier from Martyr Loser King. Mm. So, um, excellent film. Um, just, man, everyone should see it. It's super good. Well, hey, if it's anything like the last time a musician made the jump to a filmmaker uh, to make a, a work of surrealist black imagination, uh, when Boots Riley did when it. When Boots Riley did it, yeah. Yeah, if it's anything like that. It is in the vein of, yeah, yes. It sounds like it. It's absolutely, it sounds great. It, it, man, it's so fun. It's it's definitely, it's up there with Fablemans and a couple of other pictures as like blind spots I really regret. Mm. Yeah, I wanted to get to it. Yeah, yeah, I think I think especially you would dig it. Yeah, I think you'll like it a lot. So there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts on 2022. Are there any closing thoughts we have for the dear listener? 
Uh, you know, don't take our word for it. Yeah, lists are arbitrary, and when we say top ten, we probably mean all ten are great. Just yeah. saying, you know, just so don't think one's that much better than ten. Correct. I would say that. Yeah, I still don't know if I put tar high enough. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. tar's not in my ten, but it's in my fifteen, and I, you know, or sixteen, seventeen, number twenty. I, it's up there. I like it a lot. Yeah. So didn't I mean, didn't even get to talk about the movie I saw. I finally got to see a movie that nobody's heard of called Give Me Pity. I didn't even talk about that. Oh, man. Give me pity. I wanted to catch that it really bad. movie kicks ass, dude. Yeah, I know. I wish that movie had gotten distribution. I hope, yeah. it, I hope it does. I thought it was on Roku for half a second. A movie a lot of people love that we didn't talk about is Closer. Uh, po- uh, mm-hmm. French film. Oh, man. It's, it's It works a lot, but man, yeah. it just didn't make the list. But so there's, there's, it was a good year for movies, guys. There's a lot of great stuff out there. It was a really strong year, in my opinion. Yeah. So uh, keep watching the movies. That's what's magic. That's what's fun. So uh, you keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid.